Welcome to Hope City Church, Melbourne, Australia. Stay tuned for another inspiring message by Pastor Andrew McGrath. I want to talk to you today about the phrase that I had in my mind is from a tomb into a womb. From a tomb into a womb. From things that have died and look like they're hopeless into fresh life. From a tomb into a womb. God, by His Spirit, transformed the tomb into a womb. Isn't that amazing? Because that's what God does. He comes to the areas in our life that are dead and it seems like it's hopeless. They could never live again. And that very place, He delights to take the areas that are the hardest, that seem like there's no chance it could ever come back to life. And it's that very place that God visits. The angels came to the tomb and they made it a womb. And you're here today because God touches tombs and makes them wombs. Amen? Amen. Does that excite anybody today? But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared. Now, the spices weren't because Jesus was having a casserole. They were there because he had died. The spices were there because it was over. They were preparing his body and anointing and loving on his physical body because it was finished, it was over. Jesus had died. But this is a great story about Easter. It's never over until God says it's over. Did you hear that? Just because the devil says it's over, because your friends say it's over, because you say it's over, doesn't mean it's over. Because it's never over until God Almighty says it is over. Jacob was an old man. And his son Joseph was taken to Egypt. And it seemed like for Jacob that all his dreams about his son were snatched from him. And you know the story, and I'll go back to Luke in a minute, but, but for, for illustration, Jacob felt like his heart had been pulled out and all his dreams had died. And Genesis 45 tells us that when the message came back to Jacob that his son was alive, he lost his breath. He couldn't believe it, but as they began to tell him more and more about the story, his spirit came alive again. My prayer today for you is that the areas that you feel that are dead, that have been buried, that the enemy has pronounced his judgment on, that God Almighty would breathe life back into those places. Because he's saying to you, it's not over until I say it's over. The dreams that have been snatched from you, out of your control, things have come and been, they've all been taken away. Things that you dreamt of as a child. And now you say, I'm too old, it's too late. Things have changed. God says to you today, it's not over until I say it's over. God turned in this story a hopeless end into an endless hope. He turned a hopeless end into an endless hope. Psalm 73, 26, listen to this. I'm going to read you some great scriptures today. It says, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. My strength and my heart may fail. It may look like it's over, but God is the strength of my heart 
and my portion forever. And every place where it feels like the enemy has stolen from me and it feels like my heart has failed, my dreams have been snatched from me. He says, but God is the strength of my heart. He can revive the places that have been taken from me. The dead places in my life. He can make a tomb a womb. Amen? Right, now you're starting to get it. Luke 24, 2, it says, And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of Jesus. They were perplexed about this. And two men stood near them in dazzling clothing. And, And as the women were terrified and they bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living one among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. That was another cue for you to go, amen. He has risen. This is not a tomb today. This is a womb. Okay, I'll just give you a little clue here today. This is a hot house. This is a womb. This is God's house. It's not a tomb. It's a womb. And in wombs, there's lots of action and movement. Because things are growing and alive. In tombs, they're dead and there's no movement. In a womb, there is life and movement. So tell your face, it's time to move. (laughs) This tomb that we read about was a very, very dark place. The Bible tells us that all of hell assembled against Jesus. Hebrews 2.14 talks about that there was the power of death that came against Jesus. That death led the way in attacking our Lord Jesus on that eventful day. Think about it. Look at who, what moved into the tomb. Sickness, disease, lack, poverty, disobedience, unfulfilled destinies, despair. What a party. Self-pity, anger, resentment, inferiority, fear, pride, selfishness. They all moved into the tomb that day. That's why it's not a good place to be in the tomb. But they all moved in that day to come against our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus took for you on that day. They all moved in and they attacked him. And it appeared to the natural eye over the next two days, if you were able to see the body of Jesus, it looked like Jesus had been conquered by all those ugly muffin heads. Disease, sickness, poverty, disobedience, rebellion, rejection, anger. They all came against Jesus and it looked like it was all over. Wow. You see, it had a much deeper spiritual reality because you couldn't see it to the natural eye. But underneath, going on in the realms of darkness, in Sheol there was a battle going on, not just over Jesus, but over you. This was about you. They were assembled against you. Jesus came on your behalf. So sickness, disobedience, rebellion, anger, they all came to take you out on that day. So there was a war going on. Hebrews 2.9 says, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. He was crowned with glory and honor that he, by the grace of God, would taste death for everyone. 
words. Death is all these things that I mentioned assembled together. And death is the manifestation of all these things. Sickness, disease, poverty. And death came against Jesus. But Jesus tasted death for all of us. I wrote about this in my book, The Gospel Calling to Noah. What happened to Jesus at the cross and the grave and the resurrection and the ascension was really about you and I. Jesus took upon himself all our sins, all our weaknesses, all our vulnerabilities, and he buried them once and for all. And all of hell assembled to resist this resurrection of Jesus and humanity. But it was all in vain because the power of the Father raised Jesus and us from the grave and has now seated us at the right hand of the Father. Amen? Amen. It was futile. Death had been defeated. He who knew no sin became sin for us. And it's so hard for us to get our heads around this, that Jesus would take on everything that should be ours. All our sickness, all our defeat, all our despair. He took upon it himself in the grave. Now turn with me, if you would, to Isaiah 53a. We're going to look at what happened on that eventful day. Isaiah 53 verse 8 says, He was taken from prison. This is Isaiah prophesying about what took place behind the scenes. And from judgment. This is Isaiah 53 8. And who will declare his generation? You know, the greatest tragedy for a male Jew was to die without leaving any inheritance, without having any heirs, without having any children. And it says here, who will declare his generation? It looked like Jesus' life was cut short, 33 years of age, no children, his life is taken from him. For he was cut off from the land of the living. He was cut off so you could be joined in. Did you hear that? He was cut off so you could be joined and made one spirit with God. Jesus was cut off so you could be brought in. Amen? Amen. How awesome that is, Isaiah tells us. For the transgressions of my people, he was stricken. They made his grave with the wicked. He died on a cross, surrounded on either side by criminals. But they put him with the rich at his death. We know his tomb was bought by a rich man. Because he had done no violence, there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise Jesus. He has put him to grief. He has made his soul an offering for sin. It's an amazing thing that Jesus went through for you and I today. Now go with me to Psalm 88 verse 3. Psalm 88 is an amazing psalm. There is nothing at all nice about this psalm. It's dark, it's dreary. And it's a picture of the crucifixion and the resurrection. Listen to what Jesus, how he is feeling. For my soul is full of trouble. Remember, Isaiah said, his soul is being made an offering for our sin. My soul is full of trouble. My life draws near to the grave. I am counted with those who go down to the pit. I'm like a man who has no strength. I am cast loose. Among the dead, I'm like the slain who lie in the grave, who remember no more, and who are cut off from your hand. You have laid me in the lowest pit. In darkness, your wrath 
lies heavily upon me. You have afflicted me with all of your waves. We have no idea the pain that Jesus went through as he spent those days and nights in the dark place of despair where the enemy and all his demonic forces came against him. And wave after wave of pain and discouragement, things like what you have felt at times, but not just from one man, from all of creation, everyone here and all the generations previous and all those who will come, not just one day, but every every negative thought you've ever had, every sinful thought you've had, all the anger, all the pain, all the depression of every man, every woman, every child, every single person, all of that accumulated in all of history blew over him wave after wave after wave on one man. And he wasn't just the son of God as much as he was. He was also the son of man. He was human and he was divine. He was forever altered when he came to earth. We know that he has nail prints in his hands. He'll be the only human body, if we say it like that, that's been glorified, that will carry scars throughout all of eternity. We will get a new body, but his new body carries the marks of his love for humanity. And he allowed wave after wave of pain and suffering to go over his soul. What an amazing thought. He absorbed all of that so you don't need to. And so when the enemy comes with his lies and his pain and his accusation, you can say, in Jesus' name, be gone. Because Jesus bore my suffering in the deep bowels of hell for me, as me, and I no longer need to pay for that suffering. For once and for all, it was taken from me. Jesus was like the giant spiritual vacuum cleaner. He sucked up all of the pain, all of the suffering upon him. Wave after wave after wave. Willingly, he did that. The Father, the Son and the Spirit working together in holy purpose for the salvation and restoration of of all of humanity. This wasn't Father kicking the son while he was down. Together, we are, see, it was God was reconciling the world to himself through Christ. This was a holy partnership. This wasn't God taking out his anger on Jesus and giving him a boot. This was together in the garden that Jesus cried out and he prayed. And there was a lining of wills together that Jesus would come. And take our pain. And it pleased the Father to to allow these waves to come over him because of you and I. Not because the Father had a grievance against Jesus. Of course not. It broke his heart, but he could see beyond that moment in time that you and I would be freed from everything that would come against us. Psalm 88.10. Listen to what the psalmist says. He asked six questions that are not answered in the psalm. He says, will you work wonders for the dead? So Jesus is pouring out his heart. He's in pain. He's suffering. And the psalmist says, will you work wonders for the dead? Shall the dead arise and praise you? 
Shall your loving kindness be declared in the grave or your faithfulness in the place of destruction? The psalmist is looking into that moment and asking these questions. Shall your wonders be known in the dark and your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness or the grave? And he doesn't know the answer. But we can look back from today and look back in time and answer all those questions with a big yes. Because God never abandoned Jesus in the grave. It looked like God had forgotten Jesus. It looked like Jesus was on his own. But I say to the psalmist, we have the New Testament. We have all the or the revelation of the Father now. We have the full understanding. And the Father was with Jesus, reconciling the world to himself. He did not leave Jesus in the grave. Jesus was not on his own. Father was there all the way. His heart was filled with love and compassion. And at the right moment, when justice had been fulfilled, God raised up Jesus from the dead by the power of the Holy Ghost. So I want you to know today that this story of the grave is so important and of the tomb because you need to understand that when it feels like all of hell has come against you, when it feels like wave after wave after wave of resistance comes against you, you can say to the psalmist, God has not forgotten me. It may feel like I'm in a tomb, but this tomb is being birthed into a womb. Something will come good out of this experience because God is a resurrection God. So if it feels like God has abandoned you, the truth is God is very, very present. Psalm 46, 1 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble. If you're in trouble, guess what? That is the moment where God, if it's possible, will be more present than any other moment in time. He says he is a very present Help in times of trouble. Is anyone going through trouble? You don't need to put your hand up. Well, I'm here to tell you. I'm here sent from God to tell you. And for those listening on live stream, for those listening on YouTube, God Almighty is a very, very present help in times of trouble. He will never, never leave you or forsake you. And no matter what lies the enemy, see the enemy in the tomb, in in, in the darkness of despair, was saying to Jesus, you'll never get up. It's all over. It's finished. He's deserted you. But God is a very present help in times of trouble. And it's not over until God sings. You've got to know in the greatest of your battles that Father never left the Son and He'll never leave you. You can point your bony finger at the devil and say, if the Father didn't leave Jesus when He was surrounded and covered and bearing all the sin of the world, it's not likely that He's going to leave me. And that's one of the reasons I'm so passionate about undoing false doctrine around this whole occasion of Father taking an excursion, a, a, a little caravan trip out to Mars 
Well, Jesus, you know, suffered because, you know, Jesus, God can't look at sin because it's kryptonite and he's Superman. And, and, and it, it does funny things to God around sin. God can't stand sin. This is this rubbish. It's just not true. God abhors sin, but it, it doesn't kill him. He's God. And he came to Adam and Eve in the garden and said, put some clothes on. I can't stand to see the sight. No, he came to them in their sin, wrapped his arms around them, loved on them and says, guess what, I'm going to dress you now. See, this, why is this a big deal? Because if we think in our dark, dark moments that God has abandoned us like he did to Jesus, then, then we, we have got no hope. I know that transformation is only possible in his presence and his presence is the most powerful when I'm aware that he is with me. I believe it's only at the cross that we see the completeness of the pain of the man surface in the life of Jesus. A lot of people have trouble holding this tension in their minds, like two sides of a coin, Jesus, the Son of God and the Son of Man. Let me tell you, he was every bit a man as he was God. Did you hear that? And that's the reason he cried out, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because he was feeling the enormity of sin upon a human being. And what it does, how it disfigures. See, Isaiah says his face was disfigured. Why? Because he began to think and feel like all of us truly think and feel when sin raises its ugly head. And that's why it's the only time in Scripture that Jesus refers to God as God and not Father. It's at the cross. My God, why have you forsaken me? Not my Father. Because this is what sin does. It turns a father into a God. It turns a father that loves us into a God that's angry and distant. And so we need to undo all that rubbish that says that God turned his back on Jesus. And that's why the sun went went dark. That is a load of rubbish. Because as we hear that psalm being repeated by Jesus in Psalm 22, in Psalm 22 verse 24, God Responds. The psalmist actually tells us the words that were coming back from God when Jesus uttered that sound, why have you forsaken me? And this is what the psalmist says. For God has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, nor has he hidden his face from him. But when he cried to him, God heard. Did you hear that? When Jesus said, why have you forsaken me? God did not turn his face. He heard the cry of the afflicted. And he says, I hear you, son, and I'm with you all the way in this. You will not be alone. You may feel like you're alone. You'll have waves of pain and sin like you've never experienced in your life. But I am with you even to the end of the age. I'm not going to give up on you. I'm going to turn this tomb into a womb. And you need to hear this today. God is with you. He is not. He will never, never leave you or forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. Are you getting this deep? The the Resurrection Sunday is a Sunday of great hope that says, God is with 
me. And I'm, see, this is not just some theological thing I'm telling you. But tomorrow, when you get up and you go to work, go to school, wherever you are, you must declare, no matter how I feel, Jesus knows what it's like to feel bad. Waves after wave of sorrow upon his soul. But the truth was, God was with him. And God hadn't finished. And it's not over until it's over. So I get up and I say, I don't feel like God is with me. There are days where I can't even hear God speak. It's amazing for a pastor. But I tell myself, God is with me. God is with me. And enemy, you may be putting like a smoke screen over my life. You may come against me, but I'm here to declare by faith, my God is with me and his face shines upon me and it's not over until he says it over. It's over. And he's not saying it's over. There is one thing you must carry about with you every day and that's the reality of this following statement by Jesus. And he says in Matthew 28, 20, Surely I am with you even until the end of the world. Did you hear that? Jesus says, to you today, surely I am with you. I don't feel like you're with me. Well, you know what? It's got nothing to do with your feelings. Jesus said, when we looked at Jesus' body in the tomb, it didn't look like God was with him. They brought the spices because it was over, but it wasn't over. Behind the scenes, God was at work. And the Holy Spirit said, let me at him, let me at him. And God's having to hold the Holy Spirit back. I just want to go and raise him up because that's what I do best. No, 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 not yet, not yet. We're going to absorb all the pain, all the suffering. Every sin will be accounted for, all the injustice. And then I'm going to let you go. And he went and he breathed into Jesus the breath of life. Wow. Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. See, that's what Satan is. He's the master orphan. He's the most rejected person in all the world. Let's keep rejecting him because he's, he's an orphan. And Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you fatherless. See, orphans are fatherless. Jesus said, I won't leave you fatherless. I will come to you. And because I live, you will live. And the spirit of God that comes into you is the spirit of sonship, Amen. whereby we cry out, Abba, Father. That's what comes to us, the Holy Ghost. He comes and makes the present reality of Jesus as the loved son and us as the loved sons and daughters of God. He makes that a reality. Jesus said, I'm going to send you the Spirit. And when he comes, he's going to live in you and he's going to cry out day and night, day and night. You are loved by God, even in your sin and your weakness and your despair and your wrong decisions. I will love you to the end of the age. That's what's bursting inside me. It's there to counteract the negative lies of the enemy. It says you've done it. Once too many, he's given up on you. Too much wrong, too much this, too much that. Blah, 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 blah. And up, 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 up comes the Holy Ghost to override, override this with this voice that says, you are loved by God and he will never, ever leave you or forsake you. <sighs> Acts 10.38 says that God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and fire. Jesus went about doing good and healing all those that were oppressed of the enemy 
of the devil. Why? Because God was with him. Jesus operated on earth with the full revelation that my Father is with me. And I'm about my Father's business. So I want to encourage you today to get that revelation. That even though you may be in a tomb, God is with you. Say with me today, God God is with me. This very scene of the tomb, listen to this, the very scene of our greatest disappointments and our greatest losses can become the very place where our greatest victories are birthed. Did you hear that? The very scene of our greatest disappointment, questions unanswered, can become the very scene of our greatest victories. Fancy that. Fancy that. You mean to tell me? Yes, I do mean to tell you. That the very area where it looks like the enemy's taking you down will be the very same location where God will come back. The angels arrived in the tomb. And they said, guess what? This is not a tomb anymore. It's a womb. He's risen. He's risen. And he's given birth to the church. Isaiah 53.10 says, He shall see his seed, that's you and I, and he will prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul. We've just talked about that. And he will be satisfied. (sighs) He came out of that mess and said, Ah, it's worth it. Yeah, it's worth it. Isn't it a bit like, not, not that I've given birth to a baby, but they tell me that once a baby's born, that all the pain, all the suffering, it just sort of goes somewhere else because it, the baby's here. It's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. And he says, he will see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many. For he shall bear the, their iniquities. And I will divide him, listen, Jesus, a portion with the great. He's inherited a name that's above every name. A position of authority over all the universe, where every principality, power, rule and dominion is now under his feet. He's been given a portion with the great. Amen? Amen. Can we say that today? He's above, his name is above every other name, both this age and the age to come. And he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Who is the strong? This is not a trick question. Who is the strong? Who is the strong? I can't hear a strong answer. Who is the strong? Right. He will divide a portion, the spoil, with us. In other words, it was really not just about him, but it was about us and him. The whole resurrection. See, Jesus defeated the devil in the wilderness as a man. So the cross, the grave and the throne, the ascension was all about mankind being restored. Jesus defeated the devil in the wilderness as a man. He defeated the devil on behalf of all mankind at the cross. It was all about you and I. And he says, he will divide a spoil with the strong. From the tomb of death became a womb of an overcomer. I love that. Now listen to see what happened. Matthew, sorry, let's go to 1 Peter 3.18. 1 
Christ also suffered once for sin, the just for the unjust, that he would bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. Listen, by which he went and preached to the spirits in prison. Matthew 27, 51 says, At that very moment, the curtain of the tomb was torn in two, the earth shook, the rocks split, the tombs broke open, the tombs broke open, the tombs broke open. That's what happened. The bodies of many holy people who died were like, can you imagine that? In Jerusalem, there's all these, all these, you know, holy men and women walking around. G'day, g'day, g'day. Oh, is that how much it costs now for an orange? I mean, it was amazing. They came out of their tombs after Jesus' resurrection and they went into the holy city. The tomb of death opened up a womb for overcomers. Can you see that from this one event of Jesus conquering the grave, immediately it had an impact to those who died, to those in tombs. The tombs were burst open and we saw holy men walk around Jerusalem as a sign to you and I that there is an overcoming spirit that has been released from the tomb of Jesus. And men and women immediately came to life as an overcoming body of believers. I'm amazed by that. We don't talk about that event much, do we? But all around that city, people were showing off about the goodness of God. We thought it was over. We thought it was finished. But Jesus came. Wow. It's amazing. Psalm 110.1 says, The Lord said to my Lord, this is God saying to Jesus, Sit at my right hand, and I'm going to make all of your enemies a footstool for your feet. Who are the feet? Who are the feet? Who are the feet? We are the feet. We are the body of Christ. And God says, I'm going to make how many of your enemies? All your enemies, your footstool. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places as the body of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. We are the body of Christ. And as we sit with Jesus, he said, every single Enemy will be made your footstool. This is the prize that is given to Jesus, is an overcoming bride that have gone out of a tomb and now a womb has birthed these overcoming people. The Lord will stretch forth your strong scepter. The Lord will enlarge your kingdom from Zion, saying, now I want you to rule in the midst of your enemies. Listen, this is what we're called to do now. It's not just a story, but now he's given birth to something. So what was this cross about? Not just the forgiveness of our sin, but to call and raise up a mighty overcoming people that have authority over sickness. The Bible says in Luke that God has given us all authority over serpents and scorpions and over all of the power of the evil one. Did you hear me? He's given us all power and all authority over the works of the evil one. He says, rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people will volunteer in the day of your power. And now other versions talk about a mighty army being raised up in the day of your power. How about this? The psalmist talks about this womb. Wow. Your people will volunteer in the day of your power in holy array from the womb of the dawn. On the third day, 
a womb opened. A womb of the morning. Darkness had prevailed. And on the third day, the tomb is turned into a womb. And God's holy people begin to arise from the north, the south, and the east and the west. Wow. With all power and authority over the evil one. Not wrestling against flesh and blood. Listen but against principalities and powers, taking authority over the evil one in their families. When the enemy comes against your family, standing in your authority and say, not on my watch. Men of God, rise up and say, you're going to have to come through me to touch my children, to touch my wife, to touch my finances. I have all power and all authority over you. So in Jesus' name, get out. We begin to realize the authority. That tomb turned a bunch of weak disciples into the most powerful apostles and they terrorized their region. And it wasn't against flesh and blood, but they began to push back on all the works of the enemy. The enemy had held Jesus down for two days and it was payback time. Payback time for all that the enemy had done. This is what Jesus birthed. An overcoming bride. But so many of the church, so many people get caught up in in fleshly matters, wrestling against people. But our wrestle is not against flesh and blood. But our power is when we stand up in our authority as the sons and daughters of God and begin to exercise our power over the works of darkness. This was a mistake that Peter made. When Jesus said, go and buy yourself two swords, a couple of swords, Peter started a sword collection. He started buying swords on Gumtree, eBay, and Jesus said, no, 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 two is enough. It's enough. And so he put his swords in his pocket, and they went into the garden, and Jesus prayed, and the disciples slept, not realizing that the sword that Jesus told them to buy was a sword that he'd given them to wage warfare in the spirit and not against the flesh. Peter cut off the high servant's ear instead of waging war in the spirit. The servant's name of the high priest literally means king or kingdom. Peter was wrestling in the wrong kingdom, in the wrong realm, in the wrong dimension. And so God says to us as a church, I've given you power and authority over all the works of darkness, sickness and disease. We, we use a towel with people and a sword against the enemy, not a towel against the enemy, a sword against people. Our battle is in the spirit realm and out of that tomb that was birthed a mighty army of people able to war against the enemy. And he says, I'm going to sit now until all my enemies are made your foot, my footstool. And I'm releasing my church. All power and all authority, Jesus said, has been given to me. Now I want you to go on my behalf and make disciples of nations. Exercise your authority. Cast out demons. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. And that's what happened at the tomb. God transformed that tomb into a womb of miracle workers, signs and wonders, healings and miracles. So let's believe. If not, what was the purpose of the tomb? Was it just to forgive you? Or was it to release a mighty army on planet Earth? Is anyone with me? Wow. One more thing. Again, I write about this in my book, and if you haven't got it, you should read it. 
Two things happened. At the cross, the legal side was Christ as me. Christ has won every battle that I'm ever going to face. I fight now from a place knowing that the enemy fought against me in the tomb and was soundly defeated. Listen, listen, listen. What Jesus did when he was crucified and died was all about you. And every obstacle that comes against you, all sickness, disease, all discouragement, all the plans of the enemy, Jesus absorbed all of that and beat the devil as me. So when I fight, I fight from the position that legally I've already beaten the devil. When Christ did it on my behalf. The vital side is Christ in me. So Christ did it as me, he represented me, and he defeated the enemy. So from that place, now Christ in me. So I begin to live as more than an overcomer. I live out what was done in eternity. You see, in, that, in the grave, I became more than an overcomer. When Jesus was raised from the dead and defeated the devil, that was for all eternity. I was there. You were there. No, I wasn't. Yes, you were. Jesus took you, he's able to reach into time and eternity and pull you back into that moment. And on your behalf, he fights your battles and he defeated the devil. And once it was done, God raised him from the dead. It is a fact. I didn't exist the moment I was born on earth. I exist in the mind of God for all eternity. And God fought that battle for me at the cross. I was a victor at that moment. And now it's being outplayed in time. So I have an advantage. I know I've already beaten him. Imagine, imagine if you could watch a football game and see ahead of time the results. Now this would take a lot of faith. My team, Brisbane Lions, in 2027, (laughs) playing the grand final. Imagine I'm part of that team and I see the outcome while I turn up on that day with such confidence because I know it's already being done. I know the results. I know the outcome. So I go in more than a conqueror knowing I just need to do my part and the rest will play itself out. Amen? And that's what Jesus has done for us. He's turned the tomb into a womb. He's birthed a generation of people that know that they are more than overcomers. And the fact that you're born again means that you have overcome. You start as a victor. Oh, I know it's not easy. There are times where the enemy comes against you. But you've got to come with a resistance in your heart that says, God is with me. He is present. He is for me. And I have already beaten you, sucker. The rule in the kingdom is the first person to blink loses. The devil is a deceiver and a liar. He will try and bluff you. He will tell you it's all over. But you stand strong in your faith and say, I am more than an overcomer, and you are defeated. We make our enemies our footstool. I'm convinced 
It's all a mindset, the mind of Christ, that repositions us from failure to success, from defeat to being an overcomer. This is what Resurrection Sunday is all about. It looked like it was over, but it's not over. It looked like we were defeated, but we're never defeated. It looked like God had gone on camp, but he was always there. So we sing about the resurrection and the life. What an amazing saviour. When we begin to delve in what God did for us in Christ, it blows us away. And it repositions us for a life of great faith. Oh, I want to exercise afresh my authority over the enemy, don't you? I want to stand up and not be blown around and pushed around and bullied. I want to take my sword against the enemy. And in the secret place, begin to wield the sword of the Spirit against all the plans of the enemy. Don't you want to do that? He's given you the sword of the Spirit. And we cut down the plans of the evil one. Amen? Amen. We cut them down. We cut them down. We cut them down. And much is achieved in our prayer closet as we begin to use the name that is above all names. And at that name, every knee will bow. And we say, in the name of Jesus. And when I speak that word, there is great power and great authority. And I'm exercising my rights that were won at Calvary. God turned the tomb into a womb for a reason. So you and I would stand strong. He birthed himself over and over and over and over again. I'm a little Christ. That's what I am. Psalm says, Psalm says that you are God's. We are made in his image. Yes, he will always be Lord and Savior, King of Kings, but I'm a king. If he's the King of Kings, I'm a king. If he's the Lord of Lords, I'm a Lord. If he's the Father, I'm a son. So stand in your authority this week. Where the enemy's pushed you and you've taken a defeated position, stand up. You, yeah. Every single one that has the Spirit of God inside you, you're an overcomer. The fire of God is in you, just waiting to be released. When you open your mouth and speak, all of heaven will assemble if you speak in faith and determination. The kingdom suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Not the pussycats. Not the yellow bellies, the violent taken by force that say, you will not touch my family. You will not touch my possessions. You will not touch my body. That's when it happens. So he turns the tomb into a womb. So I want you to lift your hands with me today. And the very first thing I want to do, if you've never received Jesus into your life, do it today. If you can hear me on live stream, YouTube, if you're here today and you've never received Jesus as your Lord, ask Him to come into your heart. Ask the Lord Jesus to forgive you of all your sins. He paid the price. So you just say, Lord, I receive your price paid for me. I confess that you died for me. Thank you for saving me. All that you did at the cross, I thank you for it and I receive it. I want to be your child today. Bring me into your family. He says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. If we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth, we will be saved. So receive him as Lord today. You can pray that prayer wherever you are. 
And the moment you pray that prayer in faith, you shall be born again. You will pass from death to life in an instant. And your name will be eternally recorded in God's book of life. Eternal life will be your portion. If you were to die today, you will be ushered into the presence of Almighty God. If you don't make Him Lord, well, there's a hell that awaits those that reject Him. And it's not God's plan for your life. So we receive you as Lord today. And I pray, Lord, now for every single person that has tomb experiences, areas where it's dead and barren and it looks hopeless. Today I ask by the resurrection power of your spirit that you would turn every tomb experience into a womb. Bring new life to it. Bring hope to your people. Cause them to exercise great authority and great faith. May they speak the word of the Lord into that tomb and say, Lazarus, arise. May they speak resurrection life into every area that's been stolen. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let the life of Almighty God, lift your hands up, be received into every area of darkness and death, every expression of the enemy. I speak the life of Jesus into these areas. Shabokuya. Thank you, Lord. I bring hope where there's been hope deferred. I speak it in your spirit and I take authority over all the lies and all the resistance of the enemy and I release the life of God. So just receive it now by faith. As I'm speaking, the life of God is flowing into these areas. So I release life in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Give him the praise now. Give him the praise. Thank you for your resurrection, Lord. Thank you for your life. Thank you, Lord, for the womb inside me. Thank you for new life in Jesus' name.